God is worthy of our praise. I'd like us to read together from Genesis this morning. Genesis 2 verse 7. And this is the creation story uh, of how God made us. How God made Adam and Eve and, and where life originated from. Um, and on holiday, I had a couple of conversations with people that don't believe in God. And one of the topics that very often come up is, where did it all start? And this is where it all started. It says, after God had formed Adam, it says, and then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. What a moment. The man became a living creature. And it says the breath of God gave life. That's where life starts. That's where life is held. It is still there. It's in the breath of God. And um, I was talking to Tommy earlier. You know, air is so important to us. How long can you hold your breath? How long can you hold your breath? Hey, Callum, how long can you hold your breath? Oh, just how long can you hold your breath, you think? 30 seconds. There you go, 30 seconds. Huh? Nathan, how long can you hold your breath? Two minutes. Anybody more than two? Come. I'm going to bet I can hold my breath for about five. I wonder if I could do it now. I used to be able to. When I used to dive for crayfish, I used to hold my breath for about five minutes. Uh, six, then I'm really in trouble. So, so you, you can, can't really go without air for a long time. So here, here's the stats. After one minute, what happens is the CO2 levels in your blood starts going up as your body consumes oxygen. And then there's a thing in your brain that measures that balance, and it says, whoa, wait a minute. After a minute, it says you need air. So that's about when your brain starts firing up with lack of oxygen. So you should be able to do a minute, Gallen. Like, you should be able, easy, one minute's easy. After two minutes, what happens is the oxygen levels now starts dropping in your blood to below what you really need to function on, the, on your prime. And now, there's an, that same measurement starts going, wait a minute, you also have a lack of oxygen, not only too much CO2. And then your body starts going, you really need breath. Most people fail on two minutes. Most people have to go like, okay, that's it. On three minutes, what happens is your body starts picking up that those two levels are now the ones too low and the ones way high. And then it starts sending a message to your diaphragm, which is the mechanism that you breathe with. And you don't have control on that. Your brain does this automatically, and it, will, it starts to breathe on your behalf. You can close your mouth if you're underwater, but what's going to happen is your diaphragm will start involuntarily trying to breathe. And it can be quite painful for most people. It's like, that's that feeling. Like, you, you, you have to breathe now. So with training, you can train your body to go longer. So Kate Winslet, 
in the making of Avatar held her breath for seven minutes while swimming underwater. Seven minutes, huh? She's not a professional. She trained for a couple of weeks. She got to seven minutes. The world record to hold your breath is a guy by the name of Budimir Sobat. And he's holding the world record at 24 minutes and 37 seconds. That's 24 minutes longer than you, Kellen. <laughs> 24 minutes and 37 seconds. But there's a trick here. They used pure oxygen. So Kate also, when she did Avatar, they would give her 100% oxygen in a mask, and she'd breathe that for a couple of minutes. And then she would hold her breath. She probably also employed some other tricks, like she would over-oxygenate. So you hyperventilate, and then you drop the CO2 levels in your blood to below what they should be. And then that little thing in your brain starts kicking in later. So it's really just the ability to to hold your breath. Um, so the real re- world record, as far as I can see, without help, is 11 minutes and 54 seconds uh, by a guy called Bronko Potrovic. Huh? So there you go. 11 minutes is what you've got. At, at almost 12 minutes is what you try and beat if you want to go without air. It's impressive feats, but it's... 11 minutes is not a long time. That's what we can do without air. So this morning, the blessing of God in your life, if you're sitting here and you haven't passed out and you haven't lost consciousness and you're still paying some attention to what I'm saying, (laughs) if facts and figures are not your thing, it means that God has given you air in the last three minutes. That's God's blessing. You cannot go without God's blessing. We cannot go without God's blessing of air for longer than a couple of seconds, really. And if we really practice, we can try and stay without God for 11 minutes. And then you have to take a breath. Or you go to be with Jesus. (laughs) That's the real thing. For the kids, the small kids that are here, Don't practice this in the swimming pool without your parents' consent. Talk to them, right? Because if you do these things, they could be dangerous. Like if you breathe all the time, this is just my disclaimer, if you breathe deeply all the time and you get rid of the COT2 and stuff, then if your brain doesn't tell you you need to take a breath, you will still lose consciousness even though you don't feel you need to take a breath. And that's what they call shallow water blackout. On, in, in diving circles. Like, so if you go dive, free diving for crayfish and stuff, then uh, that's why you have a buddy. He stays at the top, he looks at you, and when you come up and the pressure releases, you just pass out on five meters, like just lose consciousness. And then he needs to pick you up, bring you to the surface, slap you, serious, and then you breathe again and you, you go, <gasps> and you live longer. And that is, that's how dependent we are on God. Something as simple as, as a breath. Isn't it significant that in Genesis, when God made man, he gave him breath. God's breath brought life. And we are still so dependent on that. 
I think it's by design. I know it's by design that God made us dependent, so dependent on, on air, so that we can remember him every minute of our lives. Every time that you breathe in, think of God. That's it. It's, it's a life. It is, it's, it is significant. In Job 33, it says this, The Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. The Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. God's Spirit is very equal. It is very often spoken to of, of in the Bible as the breath of God. Us as Christians, when you actually meet God, you know that because of after that, Adam and Eve made some mistakes, yes? And they lost the spiritual life of God, which is actually more important than just breathing. That's real life. And it says we were dead in our transgressions. And then what happens? When we find Jesus, when we find Jesus that died for us on the cross and that was resurrected from death to life, God gives us his Holy Spirit. When we give our lives to him, he gives us his Holy Spirit. And then he breathes into you again. And the Holy Spirit gives us life. We cannot live without the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say, maybe you can live without oxygen for 11 minutes. Without the Holy Spirit, you are immediately dead. We are 100% dependent on God's Spirit for life every millisecond of every day. It is his spirit that gives us life. Without that, even the Bible doesn't make much sense. You know that it's the Holy Spirit that interprets God's word. Why? Well, Timothy wrote this. Timothy 3 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. And then in John, we read this. And then Jesus, it says, and then, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. You see that picture of breath, carrying the presence of God. Jesus breathed on them in the early church, and they received his Spirit. And that Spirit is what breathed the Bible into being. That is why when you have the Holy Spirit, you read Scripture for the first time. And all of a sudden, something that never made sense is just, little light goes on. And God speaks to you through his word. It is his Spirit that allows you to do that. Every breath you take is a miracle. The air that fills your lungs, that gets attached to your red blood cells, that goes into every little furthest reach of your body, your tip of your finger, the bottom of your foot. It gets carried from your lungs. It gets exchanged there. And it, it is what gives you power. Without oxygen, you can't regenerate heat. You can't even move. You don't have any power. It is what powers your body. You're exactly like a flame that burns. Without oxygen, it just dies. 
It is a miracle. It's an ongoing miracle. Yet, I think we take that so for granted. And I realized this when we were underwater diving during holiday. We, we had an opportunity to go scuba dive. And um, I don't know if you've noticed, my wife, Liesl, for the last little bit, she's been coughing a bit. Um, and uh, her and... Um, um, What's his name? Your husband. Alan. <laughs> and Alan. They've been coughing. And they cough and they cough and then they get out of breath. And I actually can't breathe for a moment. And then somehow they get air in through their nose. And we went diving in, uh, up the coast where we were. And then you go down and you equalize. And Liesl had a bit of problems to equalize at first. And then our second dive... Uh, the boys were diving as well. And we went down and we went 10 meters and 15 meters. And, uh, and Liesl was buddying with me. So I was looking after her and she was looking after me like we always do. And, uh, and I looked at her and she could equalize and it was great because she got down to 15 meters underwater and she was just floating and fine. I was down at probably about 18, 19. And I looked and I went like, and she showed me, oh, she's fine. So I turned around and I looked for Mike, Ben, and Nate. And I saw them and they're fine. Everybody's enjoying being under the water. It's an amazing thing. And, uh, and then I saw a little fish. And I followed the little fish into the coral reef. And I looked at it. And it swam into a little anemone. And I, it was wonderful. And then I looked back up and Diesel was gone. And the boys were still there. But Liesl was gone. So you're underwater, so you move a bit slow. And I went a bit up because maybe she's just down in some part of the coral reef. And no, oh. No, Liesl, you can see for about 20 meters around you. So she's probably not that far off. She was just, yeah, just now. Okay, don't panic. What time is it? I'm going to give it one minute, and then I'll have to go to the surface, go look for her there. And still looking, look for the dive master. He's also gone, which was a little note. If he's gone, oh, wait, 20 meters, that's about that. Huh? that what's that, 10 meters? Huh? How is this roof? You think 15? Maybe 15 meters? 20 meters a bit higher than that, right? So here we are. Up there, there's people sort of like in the blue. One of them gets on the boat. And the other one comes down again. And it's a dive master. So I swam up to him and I said, where's my buddy? And he went, she's fine. She's gone up. And I finished the dive. Don't buddy with me. <laughs> I see fish and I forget all about my buddy. <laughs> What had happened to Liesl was she started coughing underwater. So you got this regulator thing in your mouth and she was coughing and you get trained like you keep that thing in your mouth. You spit that out, you're in big trouble. Keep it in your mouth. So she stayed calm. Well done. And uh, she saw I was over there which is five meters to four and the dive master was quite close. So she swam up to the dive master uh, who's the guy that's got lots of training and and he dives with everybody on that dive. 
And she swam up to him and she showed him, like, I can't breathe, and but I'm I'm okay. Just just be like, look at me. And she said, it felt long, but we know how many minutes? Less than one. <laughs> After one minute, she's coughed all the air out of her lungs. Now she can't breathe, because what happens is because of all the coughing, her lungs actually contract. And now she can't breathe. Not even if she was outside the water, she would be able to breathe. She needs to get air in through her nose. But you can't because you've got a mask on and you can only get air from your mouth. And she's underwater and she was like, she's going to try and I'm going to relax. It's not happening. And then she said she looked up. like, And when she looked up, it was done. She went. (laughs) And she just swam up to the top and got to the top and ripped the mask off and went... <laughs> that is how dependent we are on air. Why am I laboring this so much? Because that's how dependent we are on God. But that's how we take Him for granted. We think we can do things without God's power around us, but we can't. We literally are swimming 20 meters underwater. All the time. And we need God's spirit. Every moment of every day. Otherwise. We have to bail. The problem is. Those things in our brain. That's supposed to tell us. That we don't have God. Are broken. And that is what the Holy Spirit wants to fix in you. He wants to fix your ability. To feel. Hear and experience the Holy Spirit. When you don't know God, you don't even know that you're dead. You don't even know that you don't have the Holy Spirit. The whole world walks around dead. It says we are dead in our transgressions. And then God touches us when we come to him. We we give our lives to him. And he reawakens our ability to experience the Holy Spirit. And if you train yourself into the right things of God... It becomes impossible to live without him. Then 30 seconds in, you feel that need for the Holy Spirit. Like we feel the need for for air. And breathing should be a reminder of that. I want you to remember that from now on, every time you breathe, is that you need the Holy Spirit. To make the next decision. Should I work here? Should I go there? Should I belong to this church? Should I belong to that church? Should I say this? Should I not say this? Kids in school, should I do this sport? Should I not do this sport? Have you ever asked Jesus whether you should play netball or not? Whether you should play hockey or not? Whether you should swim or not? Should you be in the team? Just because you can make the team doesn't mean you should be in it. You can do many things. Right? Actually, my English teacher would have corrected me now. You could be able to do many things. But should you? Are you permitted to? Is it okay for us to do it? A can is a thing we put fruit in and you can kick it down the road. May I? (laughs) May I do it? 
Ask God. Ask God. Every morning that we wake up, we should say hi to the Holy Spirit. Invite the Holy Spirit into our lives for the rest of the day. And let Him steer our day from that point onwards. Make that your, your thing. Be thankful for the gift of life. Psalm 104 says this. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created. And you renew the face of the ground. Are we really grateful? God luckily doesn't only give us breath. He gives us water. When we moved here three years ago, it hadn't really rained in Otsurin for eight years. Remember that? Three years ago? Tommy remembers that. He's got a farm. For eight years, it just didn't rain enough. It rained. If it didn't rain at all, it would be, it would be sand. But not enough. And every single person suffered. We spoke about this this morning. It seems to be cooler in December than last year December. Why? Have you thought about that? Because of the plants. It had rained and the whole of Otsurin is filled with plants. The fields filled with plants. It drops the temperature in the whole Karoo. Amazing. All of a sudden, it's December and it's not 50. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Wait for it. February is still coming. <laughs> it will get really, really hot. It does. But rain. You know what? We got together the... The, the Josh Chen in Willamore organized a, a day of prayer in Willamore. We went, uh, a couple of us went there. Michael played drums. Ben, did you play guitar? No, you didn't. Sam Jam played guitar at Willamore when we prayed. We prayed. It hadn't rained in Willamore for something like six months. No rain. Zero. We got together and Uncle Angus Buchan, I hear he's in, in uh, Mossel Bay at the moment. He flew in, on in and Kali invited him to come and pray with the people. You know what he said? I would never forget this. He said this. He said, Kali asked me uh, because you guys have lost hope. You guys have not lost hope because it didn't rain. You have lost hope because you've lost your connection with the one that gives hope. No amount of rain can give you permanent hope and satisfaction. God gives that. God gives hope. And when we connect back to God, it doesn't matter what happens yeah, Because our hope is in Him. But He does give rain. And it actually started raining that month. It started raining a little bit earlier in Otsurin. Because God promised that to me. Not because I'm special. He just gave us a word. He said, I will send my spirit like I send the rain. That's when I moved here. I went to Turk. They were the first people we stayed with before we moved into a house. 
And uh, I said, Dirk, when does it rain in Oatsburn? Very excited about the prophetic word that God's spirit is coming. And he said, I don't know. You tell me. A farmer that's been farming here for all his life, fifth generation on a farm, going, it doesn't rain in Oatsburn. Yo. <laughs> I was like, God, <laughs> but you said that you're going to send your spirit like the rain. And I know God wants to send his spirit. So I had a lot of confidence, and I said, Dirk, it's going to rain. That night, it rained on his farm. Not enough, but it rained, and it hasn't stopped since then. It rained 18 millimeters last week, right? In one day. It's not our rainy season. It rained now in the week again, just like a nice drizzle. I didn't have to switch on the irrigation in my garden. Are we still thankful? Or are we a little bit irritated because it's not as hot as we wanted it to be? <laughs> huh? How many people walk around in Oatsburn on a cold, windy, rainy day in summer and goes, oh, I wish it would be warmer? No, they are. I heard them. <laughs> we went to have coffee in the Emporium and I heard people walk out and say, oh, it's so drizzly and cold. It feels like Cape Town. <laughs> and I went, praise God. Praise God. Are we still that thankful? Are we as thankful as we were the first time when it rained for a day? Or are we taking that for granted a bit? It now rains. Now you start hearing people in town, oh, yeah, we go through seasons. Seven years of rain, seven years of no rain, seven years. I'm going like, no ways. I don't accept that. It's going to rain for the next 40 years in Oatsworn. Huh? Why seven years? Then we're halfway to the next drought. That's very disappointing. God said he was going to send his spirit like the rain. God, let it rain. Let it rain. Global warming, global cooling, who cares? God, let it rain. We need to be thankful. It is his power that sustains us. So Matthew 5 says this. Uh, Jesus actually says this. He says, uh, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Not only should we be thankful, we should represent God. So representing God means not just yeah, not just us. We, it's easy to love you guys. It is. We see things the same way. We all love God. We do that together. So it's easy. It really is. But what about those people that, that you would call an enemy? The guy that robbed you in business. The person that said something bad about you in school. The, the colleague that's not so nice to work with every day. What about that? A client that doesn't pay. What about that? God says, be like me. He says, love your enemies 
and pray for those that persecute you. When persecution comes into the world, are we going to fight those that persecute us or will we love them and represent God? It won't be that easy, no? It's not that easy. So there, there's some things like you get breath from God, you get his Holy Spirit, but we are called to represent him. He not only gives rain, he gives us food. He gives you the clothes that you wear. Every single thing. But here's this strange thing. We still worry. Do you worry about stuff, dads? You know that worrying is a sin. I'm not saying it because I've conquered this thing. (laughs) I am speaking to me, right? Worrying is a sin. When something breaks, our gate broke just as we went on leave. Henny's not here. Henny so bold bailed me out, helped me. My, my gate broke, and I couldn't get my car in and out of the heart. And something small like that. And you're like, oh. And you Google it. Google is not your friend. You Google it, and it says it's going to cost a lot. <laughs> That's what Google says. Anything that breaks in your house or anything, it's like, what does Google say? It's expensive. <laughs> and you go, oh, we're going on leave, and I wanted to take the kids somewhere nice. And you, it's like, so I tried for four days to fix that gate motor. And you know what I found after four days? It was broken. <laughs> I couldn't fix it. <laughs> so I had to replace it. And you worry. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, how am I going to make that balance now work? Because they were supposed to do this, and, and I had this plan, and I'd saved, and and I have to buy a gate motor. And you know what? So quickly we forget that God provides. And we make our plans without God's provision. We make our own plan, right? I'm going to word it right and claim it from insurance. I trust in insurance. Don't. <laughs> eh? Insurance is there to limit risk. There's a large quantity of things in your life which is not insurable. You need God. Insurance is not going to bail you out. Insurance is cool for those things that they do pay for. Those are the big things that you really can't save for. Then you want insurance. But many times the gate motor... You're going to have to find that elsewhere. And it's a great thing, the moment when you go, God, you're going to provide. And it was. It was during the week, and I went, God, okay. God, you said you're going to provide. You said that we can go. I've asked you. We can go on this holiday. I've already paid for it. I can't cancel it anymore. And I do have to replace the gate because John needs to get in and out of my house. So... (laughs) good, I'm I'm doing it. And I did place my faith in God. And then I had to go buy meat for the holiday. So I went to Karul Saran to buy meat on the Friday. And and I was standing there, and there was a friend that I hadn't seen in years. And I was testifying to him about the provision of God. 
And I was in Karwala Saran and I was standing there and going, maybe we should just buy boars and a bit of chicken, looking at the pricing of what Karwala lamb costs. And I was going, oh. But I've just testified to this guy about God's provision. And I'm now about to go, okay, I'm going to buy some boars from Lamy, not from here. And... <laughs> And God just challenged me. And you have to hear the spirit in a moment like this. God challenged me and went, what will you do? And I went, God, I trust you. And I decided I'm going to buy meat to Brian. Now, not because I was just flippant and ignoring my situation. Actually, I did hear the Holy Spirit. And I decided I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy meat for us to Brian. I said to the kids, we're going to buy, we're going to buy on holiday. So I bought Half a lamb. That is a lot of money, right? A lot of money. Go to the till, get to the till, and they go, so it's Black Friday. So we've got a little balloon you can pop, and in the balloon there's a little thing, and you could get 5% off your meat or whatever. There's different little values there. And I said, great. And he said, which balloon would you like? I said, no, you, you choose one. He said, this one. I said, great. Took the little pin, popped it. 50%. Huh? How's that? 50% off. They go, that's the biggest thing anybody's getting off today. 50%. There's not a lot of them. Like, luck? Not luck. There's no such thing as chance. How's it that, like, the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, no, do it. I'm, I'm your provider. And... Somebody had put, in the, put a little sticker in a balloon that I didn't know of with 5-0 on it. I felt bad walking out. I thought, it's that old guy that was in front of me that bought one little choppy and, and maybe he could have gotten 50% off. And God goes, no, it's for you. God provides. Matthew 6 says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. I got this on 75% off. <laughs> Look for bargains. <laughs> it's, it's not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? God loves you. You are his child and he wants to provide for you. My little provisor there on that, on that Matthew 6 is this. It says, just read that. It says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. I have heard it said that you don't have to sow or reap or store away in barns. Even that it's wrong to store in barns. That is not true. It says, they do not sow. Like, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Then he says, are oh, you know, much more valuable than they sow, work, reap, work. <laughs> Stow away in barns. Be thoughtful. 
be found faithful with what God has given you. Yet, if God can look after the birds of the field that doesn't even have the understanding that maybe there's going to come years of less rain again and less provision, and yet, and they don't plan ahead, and God goes, I'll look after them. He's given you the ability to look after things, to be faithful. Will he not then provide for you? He provides us with work. He provides us with health. He provides us with everything we have. So, closing. It's the end of the year. And as we look back over the year, I'm telling you, God has provided for you. How do I know that? Well, you're still awake. So God's given you air in the last 30 seconds. You're still alive. So three minutes, you need air. Three days, you die without water. Three weeks, you die without food. (laughs) So all of you have had air in the last three minutes, water in the last day, food in the last month. All of us sitting here have had the provision of God in this year. And you're going to say, oh, well, okay, but you live in a nice house, drive a nice car. It's good enough for you to say that you have the provision of God. We are so quick to look at the guy next door and say, he's got a, he's got a lawnmower that mows his lawn automatically. If only I had that, then my lawn would be nicer. True story, no? <laughs> You've seen the lawnmower next to me, next to my house. (laughs) We call him Gerbert. (laughs) I want to coax him onto my lawn so he can mow my lawn at night. (laughs) He works all hours. (laughs) But we look over the fence so quickly at our neighbor's property and say, if only I had that lawnmower, my life would be so much easier. It is not true. It's the air we breathe, the ability to work. That is God's blessing. Very quickly, what do you do with a lot? Now, if you don't have extra money in your bank account, you're going to be very glad. It says, Timothy, very strong word. He says, I command those who are rich in this present world Not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command is a strong word. Give it away is actually mostly what God says in his word, (laughs) if you have too much. It's like, you store up an inheritance for your children's children, your plan. And then you need to be rich in giving if you have too much in this world. That's God's command. I'm going to close with this scripture, Philippians. It says, do not be anxious about anything, 
But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Make this the thing you do every morning when you wake up. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with what? With thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And what will happen? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, goes past what you know and can understand, will guard your heart and your mind. God gives us rest. God puts us at rest. If you follow his path, you will experience God's rest in your heart and in your soul. If you lose that, just go back to God. Find God. And actually just find one thing you can say thank you for. If there's nothing else, air. Water. Sometimes electricity. But when it comes back on, be thankful that it is there sometimes. If you find a place that you can thank God for something, it takes away anxiousness. Anxiousness and thanksgiving to God can't exist in the same moment. If you become thankful in your heart for anything, anxiousness leaves. And without anxiousness, much better to plan. Much easier to hear God's spirit and to find your way forward in every situation with prayer and petition and thanksgiving. Present your request to God. Can I pray for us? Father God, thank you for the air we breathe. Father, thank you for the rain that you send. Thank you for the clothes we wear, for the food we eat. Like we sang in the song, Lord, you are holy. You are holy, Lord. You are worthy. Father, this morning, I pray that we can put our trust in you. That in you alone, our trust will be, Lord. Father, we pray that we will build our lives on you. You are a firm foundation. Father, come and fill us with your spirit. Each and every one of us, come fill us and lead us. Lead us in your, in your pathways. Father, I pray that you would give rest to each and every person here today, Lord. Father, I pray that for, for those of us, Father, that, that are facing some situations that might make us anxious, that you will fill our hearts with faith. Holy Spirit, will you come and speak? And Father, help us to put our trust 100% on you. And Father, we know that you are rock solid. And that you provide every single breath we take. 
Father, help us to exchange our anxiousness for thankfulness. Father, help us to look what is past, what is possible, and to see the impossible happen. Yeah, Lord. Father, mostly we want to glorify your name. We want to thank you for the year. We want to thank you for your son that you sent. And we want to thank you for the life that you've given each one of us, Lord. Amen.